This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. I'm here with Jill. Welcome, Jill. Hi, Annie. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing good. Really good. So why don't you um, kind of take us back to the beginning for you, where, where your drinking started and, and where everything kind of originated? Okay, so I didn't drink a lot in high school, like uh, some people did. Um, my college years were kind of interesting because I didn't drink during the school year. That wasn't the time I drank. I really drank over the summers. My parents had a summer house in a beach community where uh, there are a lot of restaurants and bars. So I was a waitress for about eight years in the summers there. And after the ship, it was like expected of you to go out and get mm-hmm. really, really, really drunk. So that's where it all began, I think. But I never really uh, wanted to do that. My friends kind of dragged me out. I'm not the kind of person that likes to be out in bars and really crowded areas. Like they would literally come to the house, give me a beer, say, take a shower, get dressed, let's go and bring me out. And then eventually I got used to it because, you know, you go to the bar, you have three shots to start out with and a beer, then everything gets a little easier. Um, And then I would say like, normal drinking, whatever that is, like, you you know, it turned into wine and that was more sophisticated. So uh, we would go out to a restaurant and drink wine, but then we would then go out and like have shots and beers and things. Um, And then fast forward a couple of years later, I met my husband um, and he was a drinker, but he always was like, I could take it or leave it. And I was like, oh, 27. Nice. And, um, you know, I, I, no, I always drank. It was my thing. It was, you know, wine was my thing and it made me feel relaxed. Um, I felt like everyone was doing it then. So I'd come home from work and I would drink. And even if he wasn't drinking, um, and the whole time, you know, in those early years when we were just dating, he would always say, I could just not drink. I could just not drink. I'm like, I, not me. Like I, I'm, I'm a drinker. I like to drink. This is my thing. And I was known for it, you know, like, and I wasn't, I wasn't a cute, funny. That was like, you know, a sloppy drunk. It wasn't cute. It, it was, it was bad. And that's when the blackout started. Hmm. Um, and my family started. First one. Oh God. I mean, no, I, uh, no, I mean, no. I mean, by definition, you don't remember blackouts, but yeah. The- math of being like wait what did I do yeah no and I and like I listen to people sometimes they're like and I was terrified of that thing you know that I was I blacked out and I and then I didn't drink for three years no I wasn't terrified I, you know the next night I went out and did it again mm-hmm. I think that um it was normalized uh we even had like my girlfriends there were like three bars all across the street from each other and we called it the bermuda triangle and there was the joke where you would have you would time travel from one bar to the other because you would black out 
and not remember what happened in which place. And we thought it was so cute. We were, this is adorable. We we're all blacking out. Yay. You know? Um, and so, yeah, the first time I blacked out, now I don't remember. Um, but it was, it was getting normal and my mm -hmm. family was noticing and they were saying things and um, saying, I'm okay. I just didn't eat enough or, you know, I, need, I know I need to cool it, but you know, I know all that, but I never did. Um, and then I don't know when my husband started saying things. Um, again, it was sort of like, you know, Jill's just a sloppy drunk and she just, whatever. And when I blacked out, I don't remember what happened, but people would say, you're fine. It was fine. You know? So it was all like, oh, okay, well, it's fine. It's fine. Other people are black. It's fine. Everything's fine. And, um, then fast forward even a little further. Um, well, just to back up, my mom never drank. So growing up in my family, my family didn't drink. We, we, they weren't, but they didn't start drinking until I got older, until I got to like drinking age. And um, my mom never drank growing up. She was kind of like the oddball who didn't drink out of the moms. Um, she did yoga and she meditated. She was a vegetarian. She was like just this other type of woman that was not like any of my friend's moms who you know, I would go over to their house for dinner and their moms would be drinking, not as much as like, say, you know, today's standards mom's drinking, but enough that I noticed what, you know, why isn't my mom drinking? And I didn't know that she had a drinking problem or a bad relationship with alcohol until much later, probably until like 23, 24, 25. Wow. And, um, that was before I was born. So like my brothers and my brother and sister experienced it, but I never did. I never saw any of that. Um, and then she started drinking again later in life, wine, um, but not bad, you know, just whatever. Um, and then, and then she, she got sick probably when I was in my thirties and uh, you know, terminally ill at first, they weren't sure that it was going to be terminal. And then, um, you know, it was clear that it was, that there probably wouldn't be anything to do. And so it was drawn out. They weren't sure how long. Mm -hmm. And I just really started drinking like mm -hmm. heavily. And um, everyone was like, well, your mom's sick, you know, like, yeah, yeah. she's like, she's your best friend. And I know a lot of people say that about their parents, but like, she really was my best friend. And uh, it was, it was sort of like the excuse of that, you know, you should be feeling this way. And then when she, when she died, she died six months before my wedding. Um, I just self-medicated with wine. And again, all people kept saying is six months, she's getting married in six months and her mom just passed away. She's, you know, what mm -hmm. else is she going to do? She's going to drink, you know, it's fine. And people would buy me wine and buy me extra, you know, like they drop off bottles of wine and it was just like, here, here you go. This is how, you know, you should self-medicate. Yeah. Cope. Exactly. Um, so then she passed away and it was a mixture of, um, grief, obviously, and then also anticipation for my wedding that was, you know, six months away. Um, I mean, grief and then also a little bit of 
relief if you, you know, if you ever had someone close to you that's been so sick for so long, you just, you don't want them to be in pain anymore. Um, and so I don't think I ever really grieved, properly grieved losing her. Um, so, so then I got married and had a beautiful wedding and, you know, got pregnant right away on my honeymoon. And um, so everything was so wonderful and I, I was happy and I was pregnant and I had a great pregnancy and I had my baby and she was absolutely perfect. And um, I couldn't breastfeed. I, you know, I planned on it. It was my plan. I was going to breastfeed and I couldn't do it. It just didn't work for me. And I think that was the first mom guilt and I know, you know, I, I failed, right? And I, and I know now that I didn't fail. I, I understand that now. But then it was like, okay, I'm already failing at this. Mm-hmm. And um, so I drank, you know, it, it was, and, and I drank. And the, the support there this time was the mommy wine culture. It was everywhere. I mean, everywhere you looked, it was on mugs, on t-shirts, you know, every meme I looked at, you know, scrolling through the phone as I'm bottle feeding my daughter, drinking my glass of wine, you know, you should be drinking wine. This is what moms do. And um, she was really attached to me more so than my husband. And I was a stay-at-home mom. So I had no time to escape. There was no, I didn't know how to make that time for myself to take the time to just step away and so in my way to step away i i drink wine um and now that's scary right because now you have a kid and you're blacking out like you were but you're responsible for this little human being um and i think that created a lot of tension in my relationship with my husband the man who could take it or leave it, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I was like, I have nothing. I can't walk away. I can't go to the gym. I can't, there's nothing I can do. I'm here with her all day. I'm always on, I'm always a mom. Not to mention I'm failing at it, you know? So um, arguments started and, um, you know, every night it was a Magnum bottle of wine. It was like big, Cabot, you know, big bottles of wine every night to myself, drinking it to myself and, you know, not enjoying the taste of it, just drinking it so that I could numb and escape a little bit. Um, and there'd be arguments every night, the baby go to bed, we would argue because, you know, what was I saying? I don't even remember, but I'm sure whatever it was, was nonsense. And I didn't know how to vocalize my frustration of what was being home and feeling so um, disappointed in myself because obviously I was disappointed in my drinking too. I, I, I understood that what I was doing wasn't um, the right thing to be doing. And it's, I think that's like when I read your book, um, part of what clicked for me was something that I knew all along. It's, I, I, I always knew, I always knew that, that dr- the person that I was, the drinking person, didn't match up with the values of the person I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I knew that all along. And so when I read your book, amongst many other things that just clicked, and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, totally. But it was like, ah, oh, yeah, no, this doesn't, this doesn't line up to my values, my values and my, my morals of 
the person I want to be and the mom I want to be and the wife I want to be and um, the example I want to set for my daughter. Um, so I guess it was 2017 and um, I don't even remember what made me uh, either I Googled or Amazon and I actually actually think what happened was I was looking on Amazon at a different book and someone had mentioned this is a good book but you should really look at the snake and vine so oh, sweet <laughs> <laughs> I'm like all right so I checked it out and um and I remember just like flipping through the book I'm like oh my god oh my god yes yeah 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 all this makes sense this makes sense oh my gosh and um I related it a lot to uh, I'm a vegan mm. and I don't push that on anybody. Same thing like right. I don't push not drinking, being, you know, alcohol free or sober on anybody. It's not, um, but it's, it's going against the current and it's um, believing in yourself and your morals above anything else. And a lot of times um, I found this out later and, I, and it clicked for me too, but like, when you tell someone you're a vegan, they automatically assume that you're judging them for eating meat. And it's not, that's not the case. Like this is what me I'm, I'm living my life. This is how I want to do it. Whatever, you know, you do you, but, and that's the same thing with drinking. So you tell someone, no, I don't drink. And then they all of a sudden think, are they judging me? And some people, are they judging me for my drinking or, you know, is it, some sort of thing, you know, a drinking thing on me and it's, and it's not. So I found that out later, but um, it also all the just uh, big alcohol, just making money off of us, you know, yeah. and, and, and brainwashing us. And, yeah. 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 And so you're just, how is this happening? Like, I felt like you, when you, you said you were telling all your friends and, you know, I felt like screaming from the rooftop you guys don't understand. You don't understand what's happening. Like this is, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And if you can just get some space away from alcohol, you can start seeing that. But I didn't even, I didn't get to that, to that point to many years later. So I read your book, fantastic, awesome, 30 days, 31, high glass of wine, you know, and then you, and it was all back into that same cycle again. Um, and I'm like, why am I not like the, people that I'm reading the reviewers in your book. Why can't I read this this one time? And then all of a sudden there are these, these uh, I read her book once and now I just go out with my friends every night to the bar and I don't even want it. I'm like, what the, I don't feel that way. Like that's totally not the case for me. Like I, you know, I it took me a long time to really swallow that big pill and understand that alcohol is poison and it is not, good for me and no matter what people say that is the truth so so I must have read your book like five times or so over the years but um that summer I was out visiting my dad and uh you know I was drinking all day I was just all day drinking vodka and wine and you know, like I said earlier now drinking is sort of like my dad drinks and he, but you know not like that but it's so you know it's sort of like okay yeah have a, have a glass of wine at two o'clock it's a Saturday you know whatever so um I fell down the stairs 
while I was holding my daughter. Mm. I just, I slipped. And um, I don't remember what happened. I just remember waking up at, you know, two o'clock in the morning in, in my bed with her and um, looking at my phone and my sister texting me and my brother-in-law texting me, um, we're worried about you, you know. And I had bruises all down my side. She was totally fine. And, you know, the way, the way I fell, I must have just held it like that. And so I just got up and I left. Because I, I was, you know, two hours away from home. And the next morning I got up before my dad and just packed up. And I sent him a text. I said, I really can't, you know, um, well, I can, maybe I can call you tomorrow. But I couldn't do this, this, you know, this morning. And I got home. And I told my husband, I said, and I played it off like, you know, I just had a little too much to drink and I slipped on those stairs and I had Charlie and I just felt like, you know, uh, now I felt like really embarrassed. And he was like, oh, you're okay. She's okay. It happens. So he didn't mean to give me the green flag. That wasn't, but that's how I took it. Right. Um, so then a couple months later, I'm at a party with her and my husband, like a family barbecue. And it, but like, you know, it, 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 the hosts didn't have kids and they are big, 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 big drinkers. So when I say family barbecue, it's not like, you know, fruit punch. Um, and she, my daughter's screaming and, and so my husband stays and I leave and I didn't drink that much, but I backed up and she's screaming in the car and I backed up into another car park car and uh again that wasn't it that wasn't my rock bottom it was you know it's okay it happens you know you she had a screaming kid it's okay it happens you're overwhelmed it's okay it happens like that wasn't my rock bottom they were they were all slipping on the stairs with my daughter um, the hundreds of arguments with my uh, my husband the backing up into the car were all rock bottom convincers, things that I had left on a list for me to look at and say, you know, maybe you need to look at this, but you know, I, I, they weren't, you, you really need to change it. You need to change what's going on here. Um, so that went on for a couple of years. Uh, oh, I did the alcohol experiment. Uh, and I did 30 days and the same thing when I read the book, I felt like, yeah, all makes sense. These people all have a great point. You're right. My sleep is being interrupted, you know, and uh, I was seeing, but what's so cool about that is that you're seeing other people, you, you're, um, you're building a community that I think is really important. Um, I don't do AA. It, it was never really a thing for me. Um, I didn't like the idea that you have a problem and you're always going to have this problem and you know it's it is what it is but you have to live with this negative thing for the rest of your life and you're going to be missing out while all the normies can drink because it that's that negative way of life no matter what doesn't seem like a, a fun thing for me um and then with this naked mind knowing that no it's a positive thing or like with laura mccowan's we are the luckiest like yeah. you know you're living in a this no this is the positive we are the luckiest we got to see both sides of this and here we are living our best life like this we, this isn't we, we're not you know 
living with this negative thing on our chest for the rest of our lives. No, 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 right. we're doing great. This is awesome. And I, you know, it, that's a pretty, that's a pretty fantastic feeling. Um, so my husband travels a lot for work and, uh, I was drinking a lot and really too much and I couldn't really take care of my daughter to the way that I, I needed to. And um, he came home from a trip like a, over, a little over a year ago. And um, he just knew, he looked at me and knew that I was coming off a bender. Like, you know, I was very, very, very hungover. And, you know, I've had a lot of alcohol and it was not looking good. And how many times have I sat him down and said, I need to stop drinking or I need to slow it down or moderation's a joke. I mean, who wants to moderate and who wants to have just one glass of wine? Um, first of all, I don't like the taste of it. Like, and I think what is so funny when I read your book, I'm like, yeah, no, I don't like the taste of it because when I was pregnant, people were like, you know, you can have one glass of wine. And I'm like, why would you have one glass of wine? Like, a, I, I'm only going to get drunk if I want to get drunk. Like I didn't understand uh, but oh, I just want to taste it now. There's no, so, you know, uh, so here I am, uh, God, I don't even know what day of the week it was, but my daughter is at, um, daycare and he had the day off because he had just came back from this trip and I sat down with him and there's just, you know, the, the death behind my eyes, just death. And, uh, I said, I'm really not okay. And I need to stop drinking and I know that I said it before but it's different and he said I can see it I see it I think it's going to be different um and the weird thing is is that um I really, really, really felt it. And like, it, it, it was, um, sorry. sorry. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm trying really hard not to cry. I can't think. Um, I think, so you had Catherine Gray on um, one of, I'm sure many, many times. So I was listening to one of her interviews and it might've been the alcohol experiment. Maybe not, I don't know. But uh, she had said, you know, I kept trying to quit. I kept trying to quit. I kept trying to quit. And then one time it worked, you know, like it's something like you, you keep doing it and then it just, it happens for you. And so I, I felt that I felt like this is happening for me. And, um, I picked up your book that day and I was terribly hungover for day, you know, a couple of days. Cause it was really, you know, I was drinking a lot and, uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And I think reading it again, I, I, I finally got it. It like finally clicked for me. I was like, it was like reading it for the first time. It was, it made sense. So yeah, all that other stuff that I already knew to my core, you know, the first time I read it, but to really understand that alcohol is a poison that we're, we're told is good for us. And to put it in our body, to alter our state, to tell us 
that it's okay to tell moms it's okay to drink to escape your children to give to let them know it's okay and for them that for your children to think that my mom needs to drink to escape me like what kind of message is that for them um i it, it i don't know it was just my time it, mm -hmm. it, and it just made sense um and then a little while in i remember thinking holy crap i'm gonna be the person that doesn't drink like i'm gonna be that person at a party and like like the vegan like there's the token vegan over there like she's gonna be having like the portobello mushroom burger uh instead of these burgers and here's the you know the token woman that doesn't drink and she's going to just have a seltzer or or water um i was like all right well you know I, I i did the whole vegan thing because i believed and i already feel like a little bit of an outcast although that's getting a little uh different but whatever i like i i, I chose i chose to be my best self um and that's a whole other thing is although I'm incredibly nervous during this interview, uh, you, the, the courage that you, you, when you can conquer something like that, something mm -hmm. that was such a big part of your life and you conquer it, something that I never thought in a million years that I can get over, that I, I never, ever thought. I just thought it wasn't going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen. I couldn't even fast forward think to think what would happen to me. But I never, ever thought I'd be this person's, you know, sitting here as a non-drinker. Um, but that, that, that courage and the, tr and the truth that you have in yourself is, is so huge. It's, it's the best feeling ever. It, like I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine doing this. Me last year would be like, oh God, I'm gonna have to drink a couple of drinks before I can even talk to her. Like, so here I am completely sober, nervous, yes, but I'm doing it, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, we have that actually as like a tenant around, um, like with all the team at the Snake in Mind, it's feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, like mm -hmm. feel it, honor it, let it be there. Don't run away from it, but then do it. Do yeah. it anyway. You know, it's so cool. It's so cool. It's amazing. Um, yeah. I wanted to, to um, come back to two things that you said. First of all, when you were talking about like your mom and properly grieving, I, I find that to be a theme of people who medicate through grief that mm -hmm. actually, you know, emotions need to process, they need to be let out, they need to actually be felt, especially in the grieving period. And otherwise they stay and they, it's not that they ever go away entirely. It's, that's not what I'm trying to say, but mm -hmm. they change through being felt. Um, there's a quote and I forget who said it, might've been Byron Katie, but it said, an emotion fully felt changes. And just that idea of if you fully feel the emotion, even fully feeling the nervousness or the fear, or, you know, it changes, it changes into something strong and courageous. And like, it's not like it's not there, but you fully felt it. And I think that we really do um, unknowingly hinder our ability to grieve and heal by medicating and not allowing ourselves to fully feel those emotions, even though they're like so intense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you feel everything now. Yeah, and that's and that's amazing. You know, the good, the bad, and you don't fully feel the grief until you allow yourself to 
to really let it in and sit with it and then release it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of times people don't release it. So then you hold on to it and then you carry it. Mm -hmm. But um, you, you, you try to find the positive in it and, you know, and you just feel it. You're allowed to feel that. Your, 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 your feelings are valid, I always say. Like your feelings are valid. There's nothing that you feel them and then let it go. Um, and there's like the scariness to that is, it, it, is it, once you start doing that, it's not so scary anymore mm -hmm. to allow yourself to start feeling the feelings like, like the nervousness, you know, like it's okay. It's, you're, you, if you think about it, what's happening to your body, it's the endorphins and the adrenaline and blah, 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 blah. And so, yeah, that's your body's going to react a different way. You're going to feel, but then you feel it, you recognize it and then you let it go. That's really cool. So how has it been um, socially and kind of being the token one who doesn't drink? Uh, it's okay. I think that, well, so my husband stopped drinking um, a few months after I stopped and he didn't tell me. He just said, he was going out with his friends one night and he said, uh, I'm not going to drink, which wouldn't, it's not like a weird thing. Like he just Sometimes you would go out and not drink, you know, like uh, whatever. Um, I'm like, all right, cool. Have fun. Say hi to the boys for me. And then uh, like a couple nights later, I'm like, are you not drinking? He's like, no, I just decided I'd stop. I always felt that way. I'm like, okay, cool. He's like, I don't know if it's going to be a forever thing, but I've always felt that way. So why, you know, why am I? So I'm like, okay, that's cool. Um, that's a little bit of a weird thing for me as far as socially, because I think that out of the two of us, you, obviously I was the one that, uh, outwardly, he didn't, he, I don't think he ever had a problem with alcohol, put it that way. Um, I, you know, obviously I did, you know, you know, I would leave places without my shoes, you know, like, like, yeah, you know, it's probably not, great if you're getting to that point that you're leaving a house without your shoes um so I think that people looked at him and thought that I was making him stop and uh that's you know not the case I mean he first of all he's so strong-willed there's nothing like if I told him to stop even if you wanted to he probably wouldn't out of you know stubbornness you know because he just mm -hmm. he just does you know he's he was going to do it because he wanted to do it yeah. uh we have Sunday night dinners with his family and the wine is, you know, continuously being poured into your glass. I mean, you'd never know how much you're, you're drinking because it's always, your mom is always pouring wine in our glass. Um, so it got weird for them. So at first um, I thought it was gonna be much harder than it was, but I, it, I think it got weird for them. like. Oh, I'm sorry. We don't have anything for you to drink. I'm like, I'm fine with water. Like, don't. Like, what do you think? I can drink water. I drink water, you know, all day long. Um, and then his mom started, you know, having seltzer and stuff in the house. But um, I don't, you know, I with COVID. So I mean, we're not terribly social people anyway. So like, most of my drinking was at home. But the um, like the Sunday night dinners is the biggest difference or holidays. Um, but I think everyone just gets so drunk so fast that they forget. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's one nice thing. I mean, literally, like people, especially if you show up a little late or something, yeah. like they're in their own world. So it's really good. Um, when you were talking about, uh, I love, first of all, I just really appreciate the aspect of your journey of, of talking about this idea of comparison, because I think so many people do get stuck in that. Like, why is it so easy for, you know, certain people? And, and obviously, um, the people who are sending me those testimonials for the book, you know, you're going to yeah. pick the testimonials that like are um, the best ones, but it, it does make me think, I was like, I wish I could redo that and put some of the ones, because I remember also having people email me and saying, you know what, I, I read the book four times and then finally, or it took me two years. Um, my head coach, Scott, he read the book, kept drinking for, I think almost a year before he finally read the book and then decided he wanted to stop. Um, and so there's a, uh, oh, I hope I don't get this too wrong, but I've heard it said that there's really four things necessary for change. And it sounds like in your story, all four of these things are present and I thought I'd, I'd share them. Um, so the first is that you believe you must change. So it's no longer a, you know, I could, but there's still a little time. There's still some time ticking. I could, I could fall a little further. I could do something else. Like it's, it's a must. Mm -hmm. um, the second, and this is probably, I believe the most important one is that you believe you can change. So there's tons of science that says that if people don't believe they can be successful at something, they won't attempt it. So if people are told ahead of time that there's no answer to a riddle, they won't work on it. Like mm -hmm. even if they're incentivized, like they won't do something they don't believe they can be successful. So I think, especially in your journey, having read it all, having mm -hmm. seen the community, having been in the groups, having listened to the podcast, you're like, okay, other people are, I can too, you know? Um, the third is you, ha you have to believe that now is the time to change. Like there's something in between the must and the now that's really powerful. Like it's like, no, no, now is the time. And the fourth, and I think this one is really important too, is that you finally come to the reckoning that you are the only one, that it is up to you, that, you know, I call it, I always am joking with my friends these days because I've been, especially with everything going on in the world and you get overwhelmed and I, I we have this running joke um, about being, having Rapunzel syndrome. Like we're all just like, I'm in the tower and I just need rescued. Can somebody just rescue me? And then uh, somebody, I said, you know what, I'm just going to climb down my own hair. And like we were doing like hashtag climb down your own hair. And like uh -huh. at, at some point your threshold gets to a point where you're like, no, nobody's coming. Like nobody's coming. Yeah. So um, it just sounds like, I thought that would be helpful for listeners. Just like you, you must change. You believe you can change. You know, now is the time to change. And you know, it is up to you that nobody else is coming. And I think that, you know, when you're listening and you feel, you see these other people's success stories, I would almost check in and be like, okay, what one of those things isn't present for me yet? Mm -hmm. and, and yet is the key word because it's, it, the, my friend Stacy, she always says, the truth is only the truth in this moment, you know? And so um, I just love that you shared that story in that way uh, because I think it's going to be so helpful for people. So thank you. You're welcome. I, um, I, I, I'm a big part of the Facebook, the, the Snake and Mind Facebook page. And I think that a, a lot of times people post like you know uh, they're just starting out and they can't do it and you want to say like you have to you have to want it you, you know like you, there has to be the point that you you really you want it you, and 
it has to be for you. You can't do it for your husband. You can't do it for your kids. And have, everyone hates hearing that, that you can't do it for your kids because they, you know, but I'm doing it for my kid. And he's like, no, you got to do it for you. Because if you're not, if you're not good for you, then you're not good for anybody. Like you're, you're going to be useless. So um, you have, you have to want it. That's so good. So good. So let me ask you the question that I kind of wrap up with, which is, you know, if you could go back in time um, to Jill, who was, you know, coming home and feeling like she got the green light from her husband or um, just feeling like she wasn't being the mom she wanted to be, uh, what would you tell her about what life is like now? Oh, gosh. Um, I would, you know, I would tell her all that anxiety that you feel and a lot of that depression that you have, a lot of it has to do with the alcohol, just having alcohol in your system. Mm. So allow yourself some distance from it and then you'll start to see clearer and it's okay. It is not your fault. This is an addictive drug. It is made to get you addicted. They are making money off of you. Mm-hmm. and it's not your fault everything you've done it's not your fault yeah there might not have been the smartest moves but it's not your fault and just give her a big hug and a kiss and, and some love because um for me that's what helped when, when especially when those things that all the stories would come back in the beginning like oh the awful times i did this i did that and i would just instead of like you know i would just give her love give that that person love that little the person that was in pain love because it's not her fault. And the world's great afterwards. And you're gonna be amazed of what you can accomplish and the courage that you're gonna gain from letting go of alcohol. That's so beautiful. I think it's so, so profound. Um, I mean, science just resoundingly says that self-compassion is the best way to lasting change. Mm-hmm. And I love that approach. I get that question a lot of like, how do I deal with the guilt and resentment. And, you know, it really is just over and over, you're doing the best you can with the tools you had, yeah. like you were doing the best you could. And um, I love that even visual of saying, you know what, let me look at that girl who did that thing mm-hmm. and let me go back and put my arms around her, mm-hmm. you know, and let me I, understand that she never intended to hurt anybody, mm-hmm. you know. It, I really visualize it. I would close my eyes and I would have that, visualization of me going and hugging and me that looks just like me, you know, and, and giving her a hug and a kiss and saying, it's okay. Love it's all right. That's so cool. That's so great. I'm going to, um, I'm going to tell our coaches to, to, uh, use that with their clients because I think that's just so, so beautiful. I absolutely love that. What a profound, like really tangible way to practice self-compassion. Mm-hmm. So cool. So great. Well, thank you, Jill. It was an incredible story. Thank you for sharing all of it. You're a wonderful storyteller and I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. And I just thank you for being you and for sending a message out, allowing people to question their relationship with alcohol, because I think that the awareness that's happening now is really going to change the way the world is moving. Um, a lot of awareness is happening, but I think taking some of that fear away that's the for be sober curious um I, and that i feel like headed this whole movement so thank you i you know i'm like fangirling a little because 
I think that's thank cool. you. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, have a great day. We'll talk soon. Okay, good. Bye. Okay, bye. Hi, it's Annie Grace. I wanted to interrupt this podcast, or I guess the end of this podcast, to say that if you are totally serious about actually, truly, and forevermore transforming your relationship with alcohol, really leaving it behind in the rear view mirror for once and forevermore and changing your psychology about it, we have a program called The Path that is created specifically for you. Now, it's not for you if you just, you know, are still dabbling or still trying to figure out where you want to be or, you know, maybe even still want to moderate. All those things are fine. But if you are beyond that and you're like, no, I just want to be done with this. I'm ready to invest some time and I'm ready to just make this happen. I want you to check out nakedmindpath.com and join us in the path where you can truly make this lasting change you want in your life. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.